All right, and welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. Just kidding, it's it's just me, and it's Nick. So what's going on, Nick? First of all, what did you think of my John intro? <laughs> I mean, uh, you were convincing. Thanks, man. I've convinced myself for, for a second I forgot there. I'm just going to cut right to the right to the chase here. We are doing uh, just another episode, kind of getting away from the Street Fighter V, because as much as we love to talk about it, we also love to uh, entertain this other stuff, other things that are going on in the fighting game community. Um, did an episode sort of like this last week with Sean Dude about Tekken, and I've also noticed there's been a lot of excitement for Samurai Showdown, more than I expected there would be here in the uh, the fighting game community after a few weeks, especially after EVO. It was kind of a risky double-edged sword having Sam show at EVO this quick early on because yeah, it's you know not quite an esportsy game. Although the more that I think about it, that might not be exactly the case. But we'll get into that later. Um, and that there was a real chance for it to shine, and there was a real chance for it to crash and burn. And it seems like it passed its test. Uh, it wasn't just a huge Genjuro fest, and now the game's actually seen a balance update. And uh, I don't know how it's how well it's doing necessarily in the uh, the casual crowds, but hot damn, are the competitors enjoying this game? People are talking about it, and they're talking about it with um, a sense of excitement. And you are one of the people, Nick, that has been saying such things. And so, just wanted to sit down, have a chat, talk about Sam Show, what it is, what you've experienced thus far. Um, so, first of all, how's your morning going? Or whatever time it is for you over in Sweden. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, kind of like almost evening at this point. Um, it's going okay, I guess. I played some Street Fighter Five online today. Big mistake, and that's actually <laughs> that's actually one thing I need to go into with Samsho right away. Uh, this this is more about me than Samsho itself, but I think anyone who's spoken a lot to me or seen a lot of my comments knows that I am very much not happy with online and fighting games in general. And I don't mean I think the netcode is bad. I just think online and fighting games fundamentally do not work together because of the precise timing that's needed. And Mm -hmm. so with Samurai Showdown, I've made a conscious effort to not play it online ever. Smart. How's that going for you? It's going great. It's been out for two months. I've never gone online in it. Not even once. Um... I'm lucky enough to have a local scene, not that necessarily plays Sam show, but I go to our local meetups every week now. And I mean, last time I went every week was probably pre-Ultra, like Ultra Street Fighter 4. So it's mm. been a very long time since I was that active. But I go every week and I ask people who are good at Tekken or good at Guilty Gear or good at Street Fighter 5, hey, you want to try some Sam show? So, you know, I'm kind of like a Jehovah's Witness. I go knocking on everyone's Dude, door. Dude, I was going to say you're out there spreading the good word and not just you. I've had a handful of people kind of doing the same, which from in my recent memory, I don't feel like people go out kind of campaigning for their games all that often. Maybe once in a while here and there, but I've heard it a lot with Sam shows. People are like, this is a game that you can easily get into and you can have fun with real quick. Yeah, that's the thing. It sells itself in that regard because... It's such... I keep telling people that it's the ultimate secondary game to have. Like, if you go to a tournament, you have your main game, but a lot of people play multiple games, and you have all these people who might play a game, and they've been playing it for maybe five years, they're active in tournaments, they travel, and they they usually have this urge, like, it would be nice to play more than one game, but I just don't have the time. 
I just don't have like mm-hmm. the energy or the time. And that's where Sam Show comes in because if you're fundamentally good at fighting games, this game will reward you instantly. I mean, put if if you have never touched the new Samurai Showdown, but you're good at basically any fighting game, put maybe three days into it, and you're gonna be good. Now, how good do you mean? Like, like I can hold my own. Well, obviously not online because uh, that's you've never ventured there. But what do you mean by good after three days? How much progress am I going to make? You're going to be able to fight against people, and sure, I mean, there's going to be stuff you don't know because char- you won't know every character matchup, right? But you're going to know your character intimately enough to get a kind of a feeling for even when you encounter new stuff. Okay, here's where I probably want to do this thing that I learned, or here's probably where I want to try this button. And, you know, try and explore your options against this particular character. And you'll... Because that's kind of the prerequisite, right? You have to be a mm-hmm. solid fighting game player to have this three-day thing that I'm talking about. Uh, so you yeah. already need to have this inquisitive nature and this general approach to learning new matchups. And I just feel like the game itself isn't overridden with tech. There's very little oaky situations because of the wake-up system. And there's very little in the way of combos. So you don't need to, like hardcore practice execution depending on the character i mean there are some characters that have some stuff that's a little bit more tricky like uh you have ukyo he has he can do uh, uh Gaishi, like a special move off a backdash which is a little bit tricky as an input you know so you might need to put some time into that but in general like it's about spacing it's about using your pokes correctly it's about not throwing out big moves unless you're sure that your opponent is gonna do something risky to get hit by them it's very mental, is what I'm saying. So, what do you practice when you go into training mode to practice? I don't go into training mode. I just practice in matches. I <laughs> well, what might someone focus on practicing, or is it that you're just saying, "Hey, you don't really need to"? Okay. Uh, everything that you need to know kind of comes to uh, to fruition just with general play with other people. That's not entirely true. I did go into training mode just to check the very basics of. Um, like I said, there's very little in the way of combos, but there are some combos. So I checked, like, okay, well, in this situation, uh, what what will combo if I cancel into a certain special move? Because a lot of them don't mm-hmm. even combo. So, okay, what combos do I have here? Okay, does this do more than just a heavy? Okay, it does. Then maybe I should use this in this situation. And then you have uh, grabs are... Uh, interesting in this because they have the recovery of a command grab because they're very strong Uh, and command grabs conversely have low recovery so it's kind of the opposite of what you expect if you're a street fighter player for example because Mm -hmm. a command grab in this game it's not going to lead you to okay situation because you have rolls uh, both directions off of uh, on your wake up so a command grab just does a small chunk of damage and has fairly low recovery if you bait it or you avoid it somehow while a regular so it's just getting that single bit of damage at once but nothing beyond it yeah while a regular grab will instead lead you to a stronger situation because uh, regular grabs lead to uh, hits and perhaps combos depending on the situation so that was actually the thing that i went into training mode to do what do i get from a grab in the corner outside of the corner back grab Mm. versus forward grab because i want to optimize my grabs when i get a grab i want to get the full uh payoff yeah when you get a grab it's like a it's like a stun sort of right like they stay standing and they're just kind of uh like opened up for a second and you can follow up with an actual hit i more than stun i would compare to a guard break it's it's a little bit more like that 
so yeah, you get you get them kind of staggering for a little second there, and uh, you have something you can do there. Most characters' default option is just crouching heavy, uh, which is okay. Some characters have better options than that, but like if you're just starting the game and you haven't, you're playing it at an event or something. That's a good starting point. If you get a grab, try crouching heavy. It works for most characters. Uh, if it doesn't work, try standing heavy. I believe every character can go into one of their heavies from a grab, but I haven't tested all of them. I mostly only played two characters so far, really. I, I do want to get into character-specific stuff because the, the the design of a lot of these guys are... Um... Uh, it's pretty notable and memorable, and um, and then there's also the whole Genjiro thing, and and apparently that's been fixed and such. But um, kind of staying with this like kind of barrier of entry, is there anything that uh, kind of has turned you off as you've begun to play this game? Anything that kind of pops up and you go, "Ooh, that's something that I really hope gets changed." Maybe outside of general game balance, but just something that is kind of baked into the game's identity. Mm. And the answer could be no. It's been great so far. That's a total valid answer. I can't really think of anything that's annoyed me in that way. The only possible thing, which I don't think is actually a problem, it's just a gimmick that I was kind of like, oh, this is a little bit dumb when it happened, was um, you, you have a bunch of different types of supers, right? And uh, the weapon flip technique and uh, the, uh, I think it's, oh God, what's it called? SSM, I think. Mm-hmm. Neither of those have any invulnerability, which I think is a good thing. You can't just randomly throw out a super as a read and get 80%, unless it's a extremely good read, because your opponent has to be either like doing a throw, because they have throw invulnerability, or like you catch them from a jump, but they have fairly slow startup, so even that is hard, you know, or you do a successful parry into them. So I think that's good, but... Uh, the thing that I was reacting to was when your rage bar is full, that's when you have access to the weapon flip technique. And you can keep doing it on whiff. You can just keep doing it until the rage subsides. Uh, and that's kind of whatever, because they're unsafe anyway, right? Uh, and I don't think this is actually a problem. I Just since you asked, I remember I was playing against my friend and he was using Jubei. And his kind of is like a power gazer, you know, it just blasts the whole screen right in front of him. And he just kept doing that. And I mean... As long as I didn't walk forward, it didn't actually matter, but it felt kind of dumb that he just <laughs> could stand his spam supers for 10 seconds, even though it didn't really affect me. It just looked kind of weird. Uh, that's the only thing I can think of when you bring that up. Okay, so my understanding of the game balance, especially before this patch, and what I was getting at a little bit earlier, you know, with the whole Evo thing and, and the chance that everything was just going to be a Genjiro Fest in top 8, I've heard that the balance, at least during that time, before this first patch, was really bad. Uh, and, and it wasn't turning people off from playing the game, but it was something that popped up where people were saying, this needs to be changed, uh, but we're having a good time in the meantime. They're just figuring it out, and uh, everything seems fairly appropriate for such a vanilla version of the game. Where do things kind of stand now that we've had the, the update for a week or two? Well, I mean, to begin with, uh, every game has early top tiers, right? So mm-hmm. you don't know if a game left untouched for six months is going to stick uh, like the same guy is still going to be top tier. Because mm-hmm. when you look at a lot of games, that isn't the case if they stay untouched for a little while. That said, I think Andrew was undisputably number one either way. Uh, but Why was that? Like what, what gave him that? He just had everything. <laughs> He's got like super fast move speed. He's got a projectile which can pressure you further on block because... Um, uh, if he charges it with super 
low charge time, by the way, it will fall down on you from above after you block mm. it. So he gets a lot of pressure off of that. Fast move speed, far-reaching normals, really good DP. You know, he just... He was like a master of all trades rather than a jack of all trades. So he just ha mm. he had a little bit of everything, and he was really good at basically everything. And they toned down a bit of uh, Gendro. I didn't look too specifically on everything they toned down, but they toned him down overall. And to me, just based on his kit, he still seems good. I know a lot of people have been kind of saying Gendro is dead, but you know that's what people always say after a character gets nerfed. Sure. I think he's probably fine uh, still, but... He's probably not number one anymore. Uh, I think number one right now would probably be Tam Tam because he didn't really get nerfed and he was generally seen as number two uh, before uh, in the patch before. So I think Tam Tam is probably one of the strong characters now or even my main Charlotte because she actually got buffed and she was already considered like probably fourth best. So if those buffs are enough to put her over Tam Tam, then maybe she's number one, you know? How big of a disparity would you say there probably is between the best character and the worst character? It's hard right now because the patch just came out. But if we're looking at the previous version, the disparity was kind of gigantic. Not so much because Gendro was that good. He was really good, though. I mean, we saw... I think even Evo, you had four Gendros in top eight. And the Japanese tournament before that, you had six Gendros in the top eight. So he was clearly an extremely strong character. Like, I'm not trying to downplay his strengths. But the bigger problem was that the bad characters were very bad. And uh, that's the big thing with the patch now, is that they actually got considerable buffs. Probably the most notable being uh, Shiki. Because Shiki was really considered extremely bad. She was kind of sold as this mix-up type character who messes you up with a tricky approach and you know she's kind of hard to uh, judge on offense but the thing was all of her options were free if you just block low because every type of mix-up she has was going low so if you just crash block she wasn't a threat at all <laughs> and they kind of changed that now they gave her some uh overhead options overhead and, yeah so she's not as predictable anymore so now she might actually be good because I mean, if you played against someone who didn't realize that she, all her options went low, maybe she was good before too, right? But as long as you told someone, oh, just crouch block, she was free. It was whatever. No, Everyone stopped playing her because there was no point. And now that she actually has mix-ups, she might be stronger. Um, but again, it's such a new patch that it's hard to tell. Two other characters that were really struggling in the previous patch were Kyoshiro, the like kabuki theater guy, and... Uh, mm -hmm. The brand new character, uh, Wu Rushang. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but the Chinese girl with the mirror who like a oh, accidentally yeah. summons a dragon in her super. Um, they were kind of struggling in the previous patch as well, but both of them got considerable buffs too. I've seen people mostly talking about Shiki as far as buffs go, but I think both of those characters uh, might be kind of in the game now. I don't think anyone besides Genjiro got that considerable of a nerf, so I don't... like. The lower tier that was above these three characters was still perfectly playable at the time. At least that it felt that way to me. And looking at events, it felt like you saw the other characters kind of show up. Like Hanzo and Darley were kind of rare, but they at least showed up from time to time. So I feel like with the cast getting buffed across the board, they're taking almost across the board, they're taking the right approach and Kendro being a bit more normalized. I know Haomaru received a few nerfs too, but he got buffs as well, so it was kind of a mixed bag with him. Uh, where it really shakes out now is just like, okay, so Gendro isn't... Like, ding-dong, the witch is dead. Okay, but who's the new witch now? 
right? <laughs> hey, Charlotte's a pretty good witch name. <laughs> it is, yeah. And I say that with, with it's a positive. Uh, you know, we were talking about Darley, and Darley is, uh, I don't often gravitate towards characters because I think they look cool. I, I especially nowadays, want to just play a character that isn't necessarily top tier, but is viable tier and is going to get the job done. And then also just whatever my my play style and what I, however I want to approach the game, however they fit that. But Darley Dagger, man, she's a swashbuckling pirate babe. She has this massive sword and a drill. I, I, there's something about her, like I'm, I'm hoping that she's strong because I think she'd be the first one that I'd check. I, well, actually, I've played like two and a half rounds of the game with someone that doesn't play fighting games at all. So I don't really consider that having, you know, explored the game. But I did play like two and a half rounds and I did use Darley Dagger. And it, to, for you to say that she's was viable before and then that it sounds like everyone's just going to kind of be moving up if anything uh save for genjiro is she is she viable too now you think or like if, is she a good one for me to start with yeah i think she should be fine it's hard to tell but i know there was a tournament recently i think it was one of the ones after evo or maybe it was evo where i did put a darley in the results page so she has placed in a tournament not top eight but you know at least been in the mix uh, which is more than you can say for the bottom tiers pre-patch. And I, I I, didn't look too closely at her patch notes because I was mostly concerned about the characters that felt relatively unplayable and the char- character that was too strong. Uh, sure. And my own character, of course. But she was maybe in the risk zone of being like low tier but not bottom tier. So it's possible that she would be the worst character now. Like, who knows? But that oh, doesn't mean she'll be bad. I did. So I didn't look at her buffs. Maybe maybe she's amazing. Maybe she got buffed through the roof. I didn't really look at her notes specifically. Interesting. Which means, well, what I'm getting out of this is that maybe now the disparity between the worst character in the game and the best character has been uh, has been shortened a little bit. And it feels like with such a simple game, it wouldn't be. Well, I I've been perceiving it as simple, and it feels like with such a simple game, that wouldn't be too hard to do. Like to to balance things out because tweaks to just broad basic things would still you know they they would go pretty far. Yeah, yes and no, I suppose because I mean it is simple mechanically. The conflict comes with the mind game, right? So mm-hmm. in that sense, since it is relatively simple mechanically, you could still. I think that was kind of the problem with Genjiro was that he was just better at than other characters were at this very straightforward game plan. So why wouldn't you play him, right? And I think that's kind of the trap that you'll easily fall into because you'll have characters that have similar game plans. Not everyone, of course, but I know, like Haomaru and Genjiro, they're pretty similar in how you want to play them. And if one is just superior to the other, then probably going to be playing that one, you know? Sure. How often does the better player win? In this game? Mm-hmm. Uh... And if you want to... You want to have a comparison, you can say, well, how often does the better player win in Street Fighter V? <laughs> it's like a 6 or a 7 out of 10 in that in that instance. Um, and you might use that as a, a starting reference. but I, I would say that if you're playing a first to free, then the better player wins every single time. Really? It's not like you don't have an advantage as the scrubbier player early on. It's usually like at a first to two or three, you have a chance. And then, and then the other player figures you out your patterns. Are you saying? Are you saying that establishing you know patterns in this game actually helps you? I believe. Uh, I believe that a first to free, 
a first to two as well, really, but a first to three will decisively let you get a good read on your opponent because it's so... Like, if we're talking about a scrubby player, they're mm -hmm. not going to be that cautious. They're going to be throwing crazy stuff out. And you've seen the damage in this game. Throwing out a heavy and, like, I did something, you know, maybe I take 40% damage. But, like, if you throw out a heavy and I block it, if we're using a Street Fighter Five analogy here, that's, like, you getting crush countered for throwing that out and mm -hmm. me blocking it. So it's kind of the inverse of the Street Fighter V neutral in a way, where throwing out these gigantic moves will not net your crush counter, you will be crush countered. Nice. If the opponent just like looks looks for it and whatever. So you need to start adapting to that to start with. So I, I feel like scrubby players have a very hard time at the start of this game. But of course you have stuff that works because again, huge damage if you get that thing right, of course. But, uh, and you have DPs. But DPs are obviously highly punishable as well. Uh, but the big thing for me is that this giant comeback mechanic, the super and whatever, doesn't have any invulnerability. So you can throw it out, but you're going to get stuffed if I'm just looking for it. And if I wasn't pressing anything, then I'm just going to block it anyway. The big, like, the bigger comeback mechanic is the Issen, which is, does have invulnerability. That's the one where, uh, you know, they just run forward, the uh, screen becomes black and white, and uh, they, like, stand up, and it's this classic, you know, they've already cut you, and then all of a sudden, you just, yeah. blood starts flying. Fall yeah. apart. Yeah. yeah, that's the Issen, and that does have a vulnerability, but you can only do that when you're in a specific mode. So once you pop that, once you do your burst mechanic, and you go into that mode, you can only do the Issen while your bar lasts. So if you're looking for doing this gigantic invincible comeback move, you basically have to tell me first, oh, uh, I'm looking for the invincible comeback move now, by the mm. way, so I'm going to try and do that. It's impossible to mask it. I already know it's coming if you're looking for it. And in that situation, I've taken the approach to just sit down and block and wait. Yeah, let it let, it, let you burn it. Yeah. And then don't you only get access to those once per, like, once once per, per match? match? Yes, once per match. And once you do that, not only uh, have you used up your Issen, uh, your Rage bar is entirely gone so you can no longer do the weapon flip technique either you're losing more resources than just the burst when you do it so the risk and reward in this game seems as such that one it feels fairly justice but fairly justified 10 points i did it uh and then two it feels like when you don't do it correctly, when you're when you're playing against the odds with fishing with heavy buttons, or maybe you could say a wake up DP equivalent, you find oh this move is pretty strong, but you see the reward first, and then your opponent teaches you the risk by punishing you for it. It seems like it's such a heavy punish that it teaches people very quickly to stop doing something because that's really the only thing that kind of reconciles what you were saying earlier to me about how, you know, in a first to three, the better player is going to win. And that's what's like, well, that's probably because you don't get away with the gimmicks. You try the gimmicks and you find out that they really don't work. They don't even work quickly. And like, you know, then, then I, in Street Fighter, a lot of times or in a lot of other games, just this seems to be kind of a general rule. Someone that's being all crazy and sporadic and just throwing out these Hail Marys constantly, they might get you know, some, <clears throat> excuse me, they might get some advantage out of that early on because players aren't ready, but then players adjust to it and you might steal a two out of three. 
but you're not going to win, you know, a first to five or a first to 10 because the better player is just going to make the adjustment. The inverse being true for Sam show, it sounds like the punish is so obvious that you learn that very quickly. No matter how, you know, strong of a player or, or, you know, involved a fighting game player you are, you learn that when you DP, there's a reason why you don't just throw it out there. You don't just throw out heavy buttons willy-nilly. You have to play the game, otherwise you're going to die right quick. And uh, the the punishment system, the risk-reward, is just tuned perfectly to teach people that. That sounds amazing to me. But is that true? Would you say that's all valid? Yes. I think it is an extremely educational game. And I think the main thing to look at when you're trying to like get uh, get your mind around what type of game Samurai Showdown is, is to look at what it's emulating. What it's emulating is classic samurai sword fights. And I think anyone has seen a samurai movie or at least seen something based on a samurai movie or a scene from a samurai movie. Imagine some guy in a samurai duel just whiffing his sword in front of the opponent. What do you think is going to happen? He's going to get stabbed in the gut and he's going to like half die. And that's exactly what happens as I'm right showing them. You know, uh, and <laughs> much to my shame, but I'll share it here. The first movie that popped up in my mind was that pretty not very good Predators movie. Uh, maybe with not, within the last 10 years, not the most recent one, but where one of the guys is like a Japanese like Yakuza or something, but he also has a samurai sword and this team visits a predator planet where there's a bunch of predators, right? Mm-hmm. And this guy has a samurai showdown fight with a predator out in the middle of this grassy field. And it's easily the best and most memorable scene in the whole movie. That opens up the potential for Predator to be a samurai showdown DLC character. We just entered <laughs> esports realm, baby. <laughs> well, if NRS owned it, then yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's kind of what I want to get into now is the esports factor of the game. Is the double-edged sword of uh, at Evo? We weren't sure that it's the most watchable. Why? Well, because it's slower paced. It's not about a bunch of big flashy combos. Um, it's more about footsies and positioning and being ready to whiff punish and, and such. And so it's not all over the screen like Marvel. It's not like explosive once you get that combo started like um, Street Fighter. Although, well wait for a second Um, but it does seem to be fairly watchable and it was watchable even when there were six genjuros although they realized that that's going to be a problem how would you rank this in the in the world of esports how watchable is this game how esportsy is it i mean i'm obviously extremely biased because i absolutely adore this game i'm so in love with it it's crazy um but when you talk about, like, it needs to be watchable, stuff needs to be happening, it needs to have things going on, I would just refer to regular sports at that point, because I know you Americans aren't as in tune with this particular sport, but what the rest of the world calls football, which you guys call soccer, is probably the most why'd popular you, sport in the world. Why'd you kind of laugh when you said that, Nick? No, I'm kidding, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the most popular sport in the world. And uh, matches are generally 90 minutes, how many of those minutes do you feel stuff is actually happening? <laughs> I see your soccer and I raise you a baseball, man. Because I grew up with baseball. My dad's probably my dad's favorite sport and he would play it. We would watch it. I was in baseball camps and stuff to, to learn it and whatnot. That stuff is pretty slow paced too. So Full, full disclosure, uh, baseball basically does not exist in Sweden where I live. But I love 
baseball. It <laughs> might be my all-time favorite sport. I love it so much. Right on. We'll, we'll do a baseball pad ca- podcast next time. <laughs> sure. And just talk about passion for that. <laughs> yeah, I just love and baseball. And why it's like fighting games. Yeah, so the, exactly. But you can see the point there. It's slow-paced. It, it, not a lot happens, but when it happens, damn, does it happen. And it's the same thing. Like when someone hits a home run, that's when someone does like an amazing parry into a SSM in Sancho, right? You just mm-hmm. get 80% damage, but you earn that 80% damage because you were like... You're going to press a button at this specific range and I'm going to parry it and I'm going to punish you with a super that I can only use once per match, which has no vulnerability. So I'm betting everything here, but I know I'm going to get the parry. So it's great for the competitively minded that can appreciate the, you know, the, just the positionings and the why this worked out the way it did and the little nuances. Does it have anything to offer the casual viewer? And does it care if it has anything to offer the casual viewer? I genuinely don't think SNK... Like, when they were developing this game, they made it extremely Sancho. I don't think they put any consideration into esports while making it beyond, you know, there's no other game that's doing this, so this might work well in the esports realm. That That's probably the extent they went, I think. And I think that's a very smart approach to take, because you want to make a game that competitors enjoy, first and foremost. Because if the competitors aren't, like, passionate about it, then why would the viewers be? You have to first make something that the competitors feel strongly about and want to like show on the main stage. And that passion shows through the gameplay. And that's when you can start having like a passionate viewer base. It's hard for me to say whether this is going to like burn up with casuals or not, because I'm very much into it. Like I'm already sold on it. I think it's the most amazing thing ever. So it's hard for me to take a step back and try and look at it from a perspective as someone who isn't, right? Mm-hmm. But like I've, I've spoken to some of my friends who watch fighting games but don't play fighting games, and uh, they've been kind of like, oh, you know, this might be pretty cool, you know. Uh, they well, usually it's beautiful. Like, yeah, it it really captures the Japanese a- uh, aesthetic. If you look at like the backgrounds and stuff, it feels like you're kind of fighting in an old Japanese painting. Yeah. Uh, which I think is really cool. And, you know, no matter what era we're in, people love samurai. <laughs> samurai, really do, man. ninjas, you got all that stuff in here. And the, I think that's, like, you have Soul Calibur, but that's more of a European style, right, of yeah. medieval fighting. You have Mitsurugi and you have Taki, so you have samurais and ninjas, but that's not the main focus. And at the same uh, time, obviously, Samurai Showdown isn't only Samurai and Ninjas. I mean, I play Charlotte, she's French fencer. But it's just having this very Japanese aesthetic and having all these kinds of different styles, as well as the more mystical side of everything, when you have characters like uh, Nakoruru and uh, her sister Rimururu, who use like, Rimururu uses like ice magic and stuff, while Nakoruru has her hawk, which fights with her and stuff like that. I think they had, they just they have such a good balance between real world concepts and characters because for example Jubei is a person that existed for real obviously didn't have the moves that he has in Samurai Shodan or at least I hope not because that would be pretty extreme but you have these historical uh, historically accurate vistas and characters and techniques but you also have this outlandish amazing crazy stuff like all these project tiles and all this nonsense. And I think it really hits a good beat between the two. 
it really appeals to both sides. How sick would it be if this game does do well or did do well in esports and therefore proved that a game that's slower paced and isn't just first and foremost flashy and quote unquote accessible uh, needs to be, you know, like that doesn't need to be the standard for, for these developers to chase because, I mean, I'm coming from the Street Fighter V side of things. Um, this might not be true for everyone. I think Tekken's doing a pretty good job. Um, and Mortal Kombat's, they're, they're, they have their own identity. But like Street Fighter V still kind of the big torchbearer in a lot of ways. Um, its days may be numbered there, but uh, we'll see. But how great would it be if like everybody saw that the, they didn't have to just make things easier and dial a combo and obvious and over the top and fireworks and it could still do well. Like that could be a very important kind of change in the rubric right now as fighting games are going more and more esports and and we're still in a lot of ways laying our foundations laying out the standards seeing what works and seeing what doesn't and i think a success here could be really good for fgc esports overall yeah maybe um i don't think that much about that because i'm just focused on really enjoying the game and i feel like if we're looking at capcom specifically since you brought up sf5 i don't think they're learning that lesson from anyone else doing it either way because Sure, Tekken 7 is simplified compared to previous Tekken games, but it's definitely not simple. Mm-hmm. At least at least not mastery of it. And you're already seeing Tekken having a very heavy emphasis on like neutral spacing and the footsie game and reads. And I don't feel like that has affected Capcom's approach at all. Uh, even though, I mean, it sounds like I'm saying Street Fighter V has nothing of this. That's not true. Of course, Street Fighter V has a lot of this. But we all know the general approach to appeal to esports has been to simplify things. That's not yeah. a secret. They've been very open about this. And in that sense, I feel like Capcom aren't going to look at other companies to teach them a lesson that maybe they don't need to do that. They have to look inward for that to sink in, if that's even the case, right? Because we can't yeah. say for sure that it is. Uh, when it comes to Samurai Showdown, I feel like SNK... It, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. I don't think they were looking at esports at all, but they're kind of hoping that you know esports could be a happy little bonus if it works well. And I think so far it looks like it's working well, in large part because it's so accessible to people who are good at fighting games, or at least competently minded as far as uh, leveling up your game goes. Because you see so many different players from different games playing this and doing well. Uh, I know at EVO, the top eight, uh, I believe it was six different EVO champions in the top eight for Samurai Showdown. So you see people from all over just flock to this game and really having fun with it. And I I mean, I really encourage anyone who's playing fighting games seriously to give this a shot because it's a great sub game. You don't need to put that much time into it to have really fun with it. Like one of the best Guilty Gear players here in Sweden, uh, Martin, he lives in Stockholm, uh, just just like I do. We're good friends. We don't really play the same fighting games, and we haven't for a very long time. But I was like, hey, you want to play some Sam Show? You want to you wanna start up some Sam Show? So he's been coming over to my place, playing some Sam Show. And, you know, I've been playing the game quite actively, but he's bodying me because he's really good at fighting games. It didn't take long for him to bust, bust me up. Like earlier this week, uh, I think, we played 50 games, and I think he won like 40... No, not 40, like 35, 15, something like that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the thing. If you're good at fighting games, you're going to get good at this really fast, and you're going to find the enjoyment in it, because it's just pure footsie approach. That's how I feel about it. It's 
very pure in what it does. It's very streamlined. And that's why you don't need to put that much time into it if you're just going to enjoy the game. And it's going to be at a lot of tournaments. Uh, I'm going to be playing it at Celtic Frodon uh, next week. And, I mean, Kazunoko is going to be there. I hope I can fight against Kazunoko. That would be amazing because he's Body. one of the best. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a, lo- a lot of value. A lot of value. So I downloaded the DLC because it was free, right? which also awesome move, you know, like, you know, they're definitely getting you in the door with that. That's really cool. And it shows that they have to prove themselves. And they're like, hey, we will prove ourselves with the core game. Here's the, all of the DLC, you know, just come on in, come do it. I, I With as many people in my local scene that have flocked over to it and had a, a really fun time playing in our, in our locals or casuals on Friday nights, the corner where Sam show is has been growing and people will kind of get in line for one and then maybe come play some street fighter five. And then when they lose there, go back to Sam show and back and forth there. And it's a lot of the players from gosh, actually it's a lot of the older players, you know, from, from earlier generations. Yeah. uh, Well, earlier chapters of fighting games, I suppose I should say, but, um, and that may just be us. I don't know, but there's been a lot of uh, fervor for it and you've had that too. And then you look around the general FGC and you're just seeing people link up cool, you know, tech videos and such. And, and you don't hear the, the conversation about it is not, you know, something like input lag, which they had that problem too, right? Right before it came out and they busted their butts to fix it. Dude, oh, these yeah. guys are really earning it. Yeah, I think that really showed everything, honestly. Like, what was it? A month before release, you had this version. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's eight frames of input delay. Everyone's like, oh, no, this is such a nightmare. And then it comes out. Uh, or like SNK response and they're like oh we're gonna we're gonna fix it and everyone's like uh okay mm, sounds a bit optimistic but all right nice that they're addressing it comes out it has four frames well they sent an agent with you know the glasses and a briefcase out to france to talk to yeah um you know what's his name y w y d d is that i'll never remember it consistently I have to check every time uh, they sent him out to his house and with a with a new version of the game because he's the one that finds that like that does the tests mainly for uh, input lag and then also the uh, consistency where the lag or the fluctuation and a few other numbers and then display lag Adil does that as well and they're both great but yeah. they sent um, they sent someone directly out to him with the build of the game to work on it like they hopped to it man like they yeah. really earned in in my eyes and I think in a lot of people's eyes they showed that they're here to play. For and sure. especially against the backdrop of some other companies that haven't been uh, essentially doing the opposite from that, yeah. it's a really good feeling. So, dude, they're, they're, despite despite being against all odds, or at least that's how it, you know people were kind of talking about it, my own, and myself included, uh, it seems like they're really doing a good job, and they're they're checking the boxes, and they're they're like they foundationally have it. Yeah, I mean they care about players, they care about pleasing people. As you were saying, like the free season pass, uh, that's a really good deal. And I'm actually working on a uh, story which looks into the poll because they had a poll and uh, the character I wanted the most won the poll. So she's coming next season, which will cost money, which makes sense, right? You're not going to give away your most uh, sought after characters for free. That makes no sense. Yeah, you prove yourself and then you give yeah. them the... And then they can. But yeah. here's the interesting thing. When you look at the five characters coming this year for free, I figured, you know, looking at the poll, these characters are probably going to be around the 25, 30 range in where they're ranked, right? Because it was like 60 characters you could vote on or something. Um, mm. 
but that's not actually the case. I think the guy who was the lowest was like 25th, but you also have the number three placer, number five and number six are all in this free DLC pack. That's pretty good. Yeah, so they're really not like, because that makes sense. I think nobody would even blame them if they just held off on number one to number four for the paid DLC, right? That mm. makes sense. And that's not bad business move. It's not scummy in any way. It's just, it just makes sense. But they're not even doing that. They're just giving, okay, they're not giving number one away for free, but they're still taking these characters that are super sought after, super requested, got high votes, and just saying, you know, uh, some of them are going to be free anyway. Like, here, have them, enjoy. What are the chances at this early stage, in your opinion, that Sam Show makes it to Evo 2020? Extremely high. I would give it like a 95% chance because it had a very high amount of entrance this year to begin with. That was kind of the case across the board. But we're also seeing continued support from SNK in a very big way. And the game is really firing up in the community. I think even if uh, it's not part of the... Like, SNK have had their own kind of world tour, which hasn't been as publicized. Uh, it's been a little bit more underground, but they had it for uh, King of Fighters 14 and 98, because that's a, a good old classic. Even if they don't, like, do another season with Sam Show in there, I still think it's going to endure really well at tournaments, because it's such a good side game to begin with, and people really love it. People are going to push for this game, people are going to play this game, people are going to enjoy this game. And, you know, this season two of DLC is coming next year. We don't have dates exactly. So, you know, we might still have characters on the horizon by the time Evil rolls around next year. So I would be very surprised if it doesn't st stick around for at least next year, probably even longer. What's the most fun thing off the top of your head that you do in this game? Like, what's the most satisfying and, and fairly frequent happening that one of those things that just makes that drip of adrenaline and dopamine into your into your system whenever it happens? Um, oh, that's a hard one. I really like the stretches where you're both at low HP. I, actually, no. I like the stretches when one person has activated... So they're in the situation to do Isen, and one person hasn't, and you're just sitting there, just watching, waiting, because any button you press, if they're fast enough, they'll react with Isen, and you might even die. But at the same time, they need to open you up. You can do a grab to Isen, of course, but a grab is very risky, and uh, even if you land it, you only get half damage afterwards. So I think the situation where one player has that, and it's very cinematic as well, because everything kind of becomes black and white to begin with. It's a very ominous feeling. And I felt that way during EVO as well in the top eight. Whenever that situation came, like, everyone was just sweating bullets. The whole chat was just, oh my god, what's going on? What's going to happen? <laughs> and that's how you feel in the match as well. And I really love that feeling. You just Adrenaline pumps completely. And... You know, it can be over in a second, but that situation can also continue for like 15 seconds, depending on the like, circumstances around it. And that's another thing. You never really know. It gives the same kind of feeling that the slowdown in Tekken 7 does, you know, when a round is about to end and you're not sure who's going to win when they're about to do a trade. It's yeah. like that, but it can be 15 seconds long. Dude, so maybe it'll grow some gray hairs. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but hey, you know, make the journey worth it. Yeah. It sounds like it does. 
For sure. Um, anything else that you particularly wanted to talk about or feeling enthusiastic about? I'm just really happy that SNK are making this game. And uh, it's interesting because Samurai Showdown as a franchise has kind of gone out of its way to like revamp the roster several times. Not entirely. They haven't done a complete reboot or anything like that. But like how Mario and Nakururu have basically always been in. Uh, and Genjiro too, since this introduction in the second game. But you will have different characters who are the protagonist of this particular Samurai Showdown. And that's kind of a thing that Street Fighter did in Street Fighter 3, but then stopped doing. Alex. Yeah, but then stopped doing, probably because Street Fighter 3 wasn't as uh, mainstream successful. Uh, so you just have Ryu as the main protagonist of Street Fighter. Obviously, you have the same kind of thing with Samurai Showdown. Everyone thinks of Haomar as the protagonist, because he's the protagonist of the first game, right? But you have the different main characters, like one of these DLC characters coming uh, later this year, uh, Shizumaru, is the uh, main character of Samurai Shodown 3. And uh, uh, what's his name? Is it Kazuma? Yeah, one of the other guys coming later this year. He's like a joint protagonist of Samurai Shodown 4. And you also have Yoshitora, who's already in the launch roster, who's the main protagonist of Samurai Shodown 5. So you have all of these different, like heroes and heroines from different games and even villains they don't have they have a new main villain every single game uh and uh, they haven't added any of those either so you know those might show up and those might be super cool and revamped and everything so there's such is the story consistent throughout each one like is it the same universe or do they change things up like is one character given his powers by eels in one storyline and then by you know <laughs> uh i believe they have a few that are kind of out of continuity but the number titles uh stay in the same uh, continuity how well this fits in with that is unclear because they're obviously doing that thing that street fighter 4 and 5 kind of did where like if you look at the timeline of street fighter 4 Ibuki should be like 11, and she's clearly not 11. But, so so you might have a bit of a similar thing here with Samurai Showdown. But obviously it's more important to please fans with fun, playable characters and faces you recognize than like being a super stickler about the timeline. Um, but yeah, they've been fairly consistent in as far as the timeline goes. They even had each game taking place after the one before it until I think it was Samurai Showdown 5, which was a prequel. Um, and still included a bunch of characters that came way later. So, yeah, it's been f- consistent in that regard, but, you know, it's you, ha- you have to prioritize gameplay over story when it comes to a fighting game. I don't know, man. That's a, that's a hot topic of debate. Really? No, not at all. <laughs> um, but story is great, and, and if you have gameplay, if you also have story, you can go far with that. You know, what NRS yeah. did, um, they kind of made a name for themselves for a little while, I think more so with story than gameplay, and then their gameplay has been kind of catching up as far as com- competitive scene, you know, traditional competitive players are concerned. Yeah, I just think you need to embrace, like, your type of storytelling as far as fighting games go, because I don't, I don't think most fighting games have a bad story at all. It's just when they're trying to kind of distance themselves from being a fighting game story that it starts becoming a bit ridiculous because you know once you start to kind of go like oh well isn't it kind of dumb that they gather every year for a big fighting game tournament it's like yeah but shooting fireballs from your hands is also kind of dumb but it's cool (laughs) so can we just like not not do this whole thing can we just have it fairly basic nerds 
<laughs> yeah, so I think Samurai Shodan is... Uh, like, st story-wise, I only played Charlotte's story, and, you know, it's not that deep. It's like a basic arcade ending and everything, and I think that's fine for a fighting game. Uh, it's obviously cool if you want to do more, like you were saying with NRS. It's, it's cool, but you don't need to do more unless you have a really good idea, right? It, mm. You shouldn't force it if you don't have that amazing idea there. Agreed. Yeah, so uh, I'm really looking forward to continued support of Samurai Shodan, both in tournaments and from the company. I'm super excited about Mina, which is the first DLC character next year. She's the one who won the poll, uh, because mm. I'm a I'm I'm crazy about bow bow and arrow. Mina Mania. <laughs> Mina Mania, exactly, exactly. Running wild. Mina Mania is running wild right now. Uh, <laughs> she's got a bow and an arrow. It's the best thing I know. It's very rare to have that in a fighting game. Whenever I see it, I always use it. I played Hawkeye in Marvel Three. I played Yukari in Persona. You know, if there's a bow and arrow character, I'm gonna play them. And I does also... Nightwolf count? Mm, not sure. It's like one move, right? Yeah, yeah, it's like one move. I don't think that's quite enough. Not for me. Not not to satiate my need for bows and arrows. Fair enough. But yeah, so uh, even even if she turns out to be like a crappy character and low tier or whatever, I still have Charlotte to fall back on. So, I mean, it's fine for me. It, that's another point of like joy in this game for me because I'm a fairly hardcore character loyalist. It's kind of hard for me to change characters once I've stuck with someone. And I almost always end up choosing terrible, terrible, terrible characters. They're really bad. And obviously that... Uh, inhibit like that stops me from being able to enjoy the game to its fullest because the character like I'm just feeling pulled down by the character as well and it's really depressing but with Samurai Shodan I'm actually playing a high if not top tier and that's just ah oh, that's an amazing feeling it feels so good right on anything else not that I can think of I mean everyone play Samurai Shodan give it a shot it's it's amazing I, I it's so really much might I really hope you do. Um, okay, bonus question. Mm -hmm. How excited are you for the new Taylor Swift album that dropped today? It dropped today? Don't pretend. Okay, so for everyone that doesn't know, Nick is very much a Taylor Swift fan. <laughs> I and am. we like to give him crap for it. Uh, yeah, Lover came out today. Damn. Okay, I'm going to go listen to it later today. <laughs> listen to this. Listen to this, guys. First of all, it has 18 tracks. And she said in the, uh, in the liner notes... It's a love letter to love itself. Ooh. Oh, Just kidding. Uh, go buy the new... Yeah, I bet she does. Go buy the new Taylor Swift album. Get Sam's show on your way back. Uh, go to Best Buy. Um, and so now, Best Buy, SNK, Taylor Swift. You all owe us money. And you can, you can send that to the Event Hubs podcast. Wait, thank you guys so much for listening. Nick, thank you so much for joining. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We'll see you guys next time. Nerds. <laughs>